Adam and Eve were designed how he wanted us to be, but sin came into the world and destroyed that. So when Jesus died on the cross, we have a new birth. We were recreated in him to be how God designed us to be, to, to function how God wanted us to be, to think how God wanted us to think. But it all comes with the renewing of our mind, transforming ourselves by the renewing of our mind. So if you guys were with us last week, we talked about a new creation, how when we're born again, we are the children of God. We're not, we're not made with recycled material. We're not made with something that is, is of a poor condition. Um, in the Greek, new means new, but it also carries a context of when the Greek said new, it meant something that was superior, something that was made with extreme quality. That's how God remakes us. When we're born again, we're remade with an extreme, high quality, nothing old, completely fresh, completely new. I talked about how, as a new creation, you're not going to take, if we're a new creation, we're not going to take an old house and say, okay, all this stuff is rotted and it's, it's fallen apart. Nothing's good in this house, but I want to take it and I want to put it into my new house and I want to build a new house out of that. When God takes us, he doesn't sit, take our old pieces of us and say, I'm going to put this into you, I'm going to put this old stuff into you. He takes our old nature, our sin nature, and throws it away. He doesn't say, well, I'm going to recreate you, but I'm going to put the old stuff that was hindering us and causing us to sin, I'm going to put it back in you. He doesn't do that. God creates us from scratch, recreates us, and makes us new. We are completely new creation in him. So as we, as we become new creations, we start to understand who God is, what he's created us to be. And when we're born again, it calls us the children of God. We are called the children of God because through Christ, his son, he recreates us as his children. Adam and Eve were created as his children. Sin separated us from God. But as we are born again, we are recreated as his children. And as Christians, we have an identity. It, it, if we don't understand who God created us to be, it's going to be hard to relate to God. You ever met somebody and you know them or you've met them and you can't relate to them? You don't know how to communicate with them. You don't know how to um, even relate to them on a person-to-person -person level. And you're like, uh, it's just awkward. And you just like, you just stand there and you're wondering, when is this conversation going to end? Because I don't know how to relate to this person. You meet a new person or you meet somebody that you work with or you work with somebody and you're like, we have nothing to talk about because we don't have anything in common. And you just kind of stand there and you're like, this is awkward. That's kind of how our relationship, until we understand who Christ created us to be, until we understand our identity in Christ, that's how we kind of relate to Christ at first. We understand there's something new in us. There's something fresh in us and we're excited about it, but we don't quite understand how to relate to him, how to talk to him. And as children of God, we have certain rights. God, as, as parents, I give my kids certain rights. Like, you can go get in the fridge and get food out if you want to get food out. If you want to get something to drink, you can get something to drink. I give my kids certain rights in the house. They can, you know, they have certain rights and access to me. There's certain things they can't do. You know, you can't run across the road and run back and forth across the road ten times. That's just not something I give you permission to do. But, as Christians, we have an identity, but what we need to do is understand the identity we have so we understand the rights that we have. My kids understand. They can take full advantage of the rights that they have as my children. But as Christians, we need to understand who God is and the rights that we have and how we can access them. 
And once we access those rights, we'll be able to walk in the fullness that God has for us. If we don't understand those rights, if we don't understand who God has created us to be and how we can come to him and ask him for things, we're never going to walk in the fullness that God has for us. The fullness that God has for us is complete restoration, complete joy, complete fullness. And until we start to understand who he is, and start we, until we start to seek after him to understand who he is and, and have him help us understand who we are, we're going to walk with a tank half empty. We're going to walk like, I don't know what if God's happy with me, if he wants bad for me, if he wants good for me, if he's angry at me. First thing I'll let you know, God is not angry at you. One of the biggest things people don't understand, God is not angry at us. If he was angry at us, we probably wouldn't be on the earth right now. God has a loving kindness and mercy, and he does not like sin, but he is not angry with us. So, one of the biggest things in the, in, as a Christian we need to understand, as believers, we need to understand is who God created us to be, how he created us, and understanding that. There's a, there's a, a knowledge that we need to understand in order for us to, to grow. Anything that's not growing is not, is not alive. Anything that is alive is always growing. One of, the, one of my favorite scriptures is this. It says, it's in Hosea 4, 6. I'm le- reading the New Living Translation. It says, my people are being destroyed because they have a lack of knowledge and do not understand me and do not know me. If we don't understand God, if we don't know God, we are going to be destroyed. Because what's going to happen is, is we're going to be like, I'm a Christian, I love God, but I don't know him. And life will come in and from both sides, back, forth, front, wherever. And it's going to batter us, it's going to beat us. And we're going to be like, I don't know what's going to happen. So what happens is, is when we know God, when we, don't, when we have an understanding of God, we understand where our rights are and what he does for us. When we have rights and something comes into our life, we can call on God and say, God, I need this. God, you've promised me this. And we can reach into his house and pull it out. When we have access to God, we can go into our, uh, the Father's fridge, pull out what we need, and take it. In my house when growing up, basically the only thing we could drink was water without asking. We had gallons of milk, but I was always, my mom was a very controlling person. Loved my mother, but very controlling. We had to ask for a glass of milk. We had to ask for basically every little thing. The only thing we could drink or eat was basically uh, like graham crackers and water unless we asked. God is not that way. God doesn't say, well, you know, you can only have water today and graham crackers, but tomorrow you might be able to have milk if if you behave yourself. In God's house, it's not that way. In God's house, we go and we have access to everything. We open up the cupboard, we pull out what we need from him, and we use it. We can go to him and say, I need living water. I need your bread of life. I need this from you, God. So when troubles come and we feel like we're getting beat up, if we know what God has for us, if we know God's plans and purposes for us, if we know what his provision for us is, we can go to him and request that. Because he is a good and loving God and he gives to his children. Sometimes as Christians, when we say we're the sons and daughters of God, we know what the truth is, but we don't quite believe it. We have this understanding that, yeah, when we're born again, we're sons and daughters of God, but we don't quite, don't quite understand it or don't quite totally recognize ourselves as his sons or daughters. We go through our Christian life, we struggle, and 
don't, don't get me wrong. There's going to be trials. There's going to be things in our life that, that are going to produce perseverance. They're going to produce patience, like James says. But we're going to go through life. If we don't understand who he is and who our identity is in him, we're going to go through our life struggling to please him. We're going to go through life doing things to make God happy and to make sure that he's okay with us. We're going to go through life and we're going to, we're going to be strong. We're going to be bold and we're going to be like, you know what? I can do this on my, I can do this and I'm doing it. But in the, in the back of our minds, in the back of our hearts, we're going to be like, I don't belong. I feel like I don't belong to him. I don't belong in his family. Because what happens is, is this, we go through life and we're like, I can do this and I'm going to do it for God and God's going to love me. And that phrase right there, God's going to love me. If I do this for God, he's going to be happy with me. If I do this for God, he's going to be pleased with me. If I do this for God, I think we'll be okay. If we continue on that mindset, we're going to try to serve him out of acceptance. We're going to try to serve him. God, if I do this, you're going to accept me. God, if you do this, you're going to love me. No, he loves you and he accepts you and he approves of you. you serve, we serve God. As Christians, we should serve God out of a gratitude and a joy of our heart. Because we love him and we want to please him but not in the way of, I have to do works to get to him. Our job as Christians, Jesus said, go out and make disciples of men. Our job, is that's the only thing he asked us to do. Go out and make disciples of men. When, so when we're out doing things, it's not to please God, but it's to further his kingdom. It's to further his kingdom and to make his kingdom known. When we try to please God out of a desire of acceptance, he looks at us. And, and you ever had a conversation with somebody that's not talking to you? You're like, you're talking to them and they just don't, they don't realize they're having a conversation with you. So what happens is, is that, 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 that idea of acceptance is this, is we're trying to do all this stuff and God's, you know, we're, we're doing all this. Oh, I hope God's happy with me. I hope God's pleased with me. And God's sitting there telling you, hey, hey. I'm already pleased with you. I'm already happy with you. Quit doing all this stuff to make me happy because I'm already happy. I'm already pleased. I have no anger, no bitterness towards you or anything like that. Galatians 5.4, and this is, this is Paul really um, talking to people. Paul loved legalistic people in the Bible. You can tell when he writes to people who are legalistic and things that are going on that are legalistic. Galatians 5.4 says, you and anyone who else who seeks to be on the right side of God through the law have effectively been cut off from his anointed one and cast from the favor of God. He's saying anybody who tries to do what the law is, Jesus came to abolish, to fulfill the law so we wouldn't have to do 400 things in order for us to be right with God. So Paul's saying, if you try to do the law, if you try to make every law in there, you're basically cutting yourself off from Jesus. You're trying to do everything to make God happy, but it's not working because he gave one sacrifice so you could have a relationship with him and you don't have to do the work. God did the work for us. Think about this. Every other religion talks about how we have to do good works for the, the God they serve. But our God served us. Our God came, sent his only son to die for us. Our God sent his son did the work that we should uh, paid the price that we should have paid so we wouldn't have to. 
No other, no other religion, no other uh, belief system follows that. It's always we serve, we serve, we serve we, until he's happy. We can try to earn our acceptance, but it's just going to wear you out. You can try to do whatever you possibly can. You can try to make him happy. You can try to say the right things, do the right things, dress the right way, go to the right place, say the right things on Sunday morning. It's not going to work. It does not make God happy. What makes God happy is the acceptance that we find and the acceptance that he gives when we are in him through his son. When we have repentance and we follow Christ, when we accept him as Lord and Savior, that's when he finds pleasure in us. He finds joy in us. So what happens is, is this. As if we don't have the, the mindset, I'm a son or a daughter, there's, there's two mindsets. There's I'm the son, and then there's I'm the orphan. The orphan mindset does this. It says, it, it's not of acceptance and joy. It's of, I have to find retribution. I have to find acceptance in somebody because I don't know who is pleased with me. John fourteen eighteen, And this is God saying to us, it says, no longer... I will never, excuse me, no longer will I leave you abandoned as orphans. I will come to you. Adam and Eve were perfect relationship, had a perfect relationship with God. They had the sonship of God. They were sons and daughters of God. When they broke that covenant with God, when, when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when they broke that, they became orphans. God loved them. God wanted to, to be part of them. But there was a divide that made them orphans from the Father. But Jesus came, he said, and he's basically telling them, he's basically saying the words of his Father, I am no longer, I'm not going to leave you, I'm no longer going to leave you orphans. I will not abandon you. That is saying that God has not, God that entire time is working to the redemption of man, get his, figuring out, he was knew of a way that he could take his son, and make us sons and daughters no longer orphans. So we don't have to feel abandoned. We don't have to feel like no one loves us because the Father loves us and made a way for us. You look at the children of Israel. 400 years in slavery. They're in Egypt. You know, Joseph was basically goes into Egypt. He, he runs Egypt. After he dies, the, the children of Israel are basically, after Joseph's um, family dies out, they no longer have a pole in Egypt. So for 400 years, they are set in captivity. They're crying out. They're asking for a deliverer. They're asking for something. They feel like they've been abandoned by God. You read through Psalms and David's like, God, why have you abandoned me? You know, I'm in my, the pit of my despair. You've left me. So for 400 years, they feel abandoned. They have that orphan mindset. God doesn't, God is not listening. We've cried out for 400 years. That's four or five generations, basically, probably six generations that have cried out for God to deliver them, and they feel abandoned. But God sets a deliverer. God raises up a deliverer in Moses, brings him in, delivers the children of Israel. They go from an orphan mindset to a son mindset. They go from, I'm abandoned to, I am accepted, God loves us, he's delivered me, I'm set, he's set me free. They, get, they come out of Egypt, they're, 
excited. God's before us. Who can be against us? And then they come up against the Red Sea. And there's an army behind them, and there's a sea before them, and then they instantly, boom, they go back into that mindset. It was better in Egypt. We should have been there. Now we're out here, and we're ready to die. He's left us to die. They blame Moses. You've led us out here. God has led us out here to die. So they go from orphan to, I I know who God is. I love him. He's taking care of me. Bam, I'm back into the orphan mindset. Why did we come out here? You know, they're probably all laying on the ground, rolling on the ground. Why did we come out here? We're going to die. You know, they're throwing big, big baby fits. And they're like, why did we come out here? Because now we're going to perish. You've led us to die. God doesn't love us anymore. God, I, I, don't, I can't imagine the mindset of God there. He's looking down and he's like, I just set you free. You're out wandering, you're walking through the desert. I'm leading you to freedom. I'm leading you to a place that I have promised you. But then one little thing gets in your way. The fact that I freed a million slaves, a million of you from captivity should say something to you that I can do something. I'm providing food for you. I'm providing heat for you. I'm providing a cloud for you. How can you not see this? But the mindset didn't change. They were still orphaned. They still had the orphan mindset. They thought they were, they believed they were delivered, they, but their mindset never changed. Their mindset was still in, of, of an orphan. It was good. It was, when it was good, it was great. And when it was bad, it was bad. The mindset of the children of Israel, it goes from an orphan to a son but the heart never changed behind it. They still believed in the, when it was bad that God didn't love them, that God was against them. So went orphan to son. They, they believed that they were free. They loved God for it, but they didn't have a heart and a change in their mind. If you look at us as, as, as humans, we are so much like them. It's, it's good, it's bad, it's, it's hot, it's cold, it's whatever it is. Our mindsets need to change. Our minds need to be into the, the total change of whenever anything goes on, when something is bad in my life, I am a son, not an orphan. Because a son has full access to the Father. A son and a daughter has a full access to God and His provision for our lives. When something gets bad, if our minds are not renewed, when something gets bad, we're going to go back to the I'm in Egypt, orphan mentality, Red Sea's in front of me, what am I going to do? Wailing and gnashing of teeth, God, why'd you abandon me? The fact that they said it was better in Egypt and they were slaves shows you the orphan mentality. The mindset they had was wrong. They're free. They go up against a sea and they're surrounded by an army. But they say, oh, it was still better in Egypt. At least we had food and we weren't going to die. Because their hope and their faith and their trust was not in God. They never broke that mentality of we are slaves, we are orphans. They saw God as just a cruel master who abandoned them and left them out there. You guys turn to Romans eight, fifteen through 16. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So it says, 
So you have not received a spirit that makes you a, you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. says we did not receive the spirit that makes us fearful slaves when we are born again we are not made fearful slaves we are sons and daughters who cry out abba father because it says for his spirit joins our spirit when we are born again our spirit and his spirit are joined we are united with him so when we are united with him We are sons and we are daughters, and we call out to the Father, Father, I need this. Father, I need this. He, if we are sons and daughters, if you look at Jesus, he talks about how parents, they love their children, and they're never going to give them good, or they're never going to give them bad things. They give good gifts. So does the Father in heaven. He loves us. He's not going to give us a snake. He's not going to, you know, oh, happy birthday, here's a snake that's going to bite you. Layla's birthday is next Saturday. And um, if you think about this, I love my daughter. And she's going to be 12, which is too old. Um, And so if I love my daughter, I'm not going to get this really nice box, get really, really pretty wrapping paper, put a bow on it. I can't do this. I'll have Sarah wrap it for me. And then throw a snake in it and give it to her and go, happy birthday, I love you. And then God, God is not that way. God doesn't be like, oh, by the way, I love you, I want to provide for you, and here's a snake that's going to bite you. Or here's a lump of coal. I mean, it's like, God doesn't think that way. But we think sometimes that God is that way. Well, God's just punishing me because I didn't do something right. Or maybe this isn't God's will, and he's just angry with me because I didn't do this. Maybe I, I said the wrong things, did the wrong things. God doesn't punish us. There is a punishment that is choose life or choose death. We have the, the right to choose God. He's, there's, a, there's a eternal heaven or eternal hell. But God isn't a God of punishment. He's, there's consequences. My wife always says this to our kids. There are consequences for your choices. But there is no punishment. God doesn't punish his children. My kids rarely get punished. We were watching, um, well, actually, I, I got up this morning to wake my kids up. And then um, my daughter, Lana, was, um, fell asleep. And she was watching Diary of a Wimpy, Wimpy Kid, the, the Dog Days of Summer. And they go, these kids get on this um, ride, and it's called the Cranium Shaker. And they get off, and his parents are waiting. They're like, we've waited an hour for you. We were going to call the police. And he's like, you, were on the, you weren't supposed to go on that ride. And, and overall, at the end, they go, we're just disappointed in you. And then the one kid goes, we got off really easy. And he's like, no, we didn't. They're disappointed in me. The fact that the one kid had the, sla- had the orphan mentality, the other one had the son mentality, that... You know what? We got off. We didn't get punished. We're okay. And the other one says, but he's disappointed. That's how God works. God's like, you know what? I'm a little disappointed, but I'm not going to punish you because he loves us. There's some happy kids over there. We have to get out of that mindset of God's going to punish us because he doesn't want to. God loves us. He wants us to sound like that. He wants us to be joyful to have fun to enjoy life because you know what if we don't enjoy life why are we here god has put us here for a purpose let's enjoy it while we're here because when we're done we get to go be with him as children we have certain rights 
I'm just going to go over a few because I'm running out of time here, and I don't want to keep you. I could go for another two hours, but I know you guys are probably going to get hungry by now. Um, So as children, we have certain rights. We have the full affection of God on us. We have the right to have the full affection of God on us. It's whether we accept it or not. You ever hug somebody and they're just like, I don't want to hug you back? You know, they just do that, like, dead fish kind of hug. You, you hug them and they just kind of go, and they don't want to be hugged. We have the right to get, take God's full affection, to take the full affection of God on us, or we can just do that dead fish kind of like, oh, I don't want to take a hug kind of thing. You know, you, you hug your kid every now and then, they're like, oh, I don't want to hug you, it looks weird, mom, you're embarrassing me. You know, that kind of stuff. You girls have done that, you know, your mom embarrasses you, and you're like, no, don't, don't, don't embarrass me. Um, The second privilege that we have is it says, it says God, it says in Isaiah that He bore our infirmities and took our sickness for us. We have that right to to talk to God and say, God, you promised this, you took this for us, and He works for us. The cool thing is, is this: is we're imperfect. God loves us. And even though we, when we have that right relationship with him, when we're born again, even when our imperfect services, the stuff that we do that's just not good, we try to do things right, even though it's imperfect, God still looks at it and says, you're my son, you're my daughter. You did this with the right heart, the right mind, and the right motives. And he accepts that. James says faith without works is dead. James is saying that, you know what, yes, we have faith, and that's the overall, but we need to have the works to, be, to go along with it. And what he's saying is, is this, is our imperfect actions, our imperfect deeds to, please, uh, to, to serve God, not to please him, even though they're imperfect, God looks at him and says, man, good job. You did a great job. The next right that we have is that we're in a state of freedom. We have freedom. We have the freedom to choose him or not choose him. But when we choose him, God gives us such a freedom that we can explore our gifts, understand our gifts, and, mo- and, and move into where a higher level of what God has for us. We all have access to his promises. We have access to what, he, what Jesus did on the cross. We have access to. Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for good for them who love God. We have the right to say, God, you promised me long life. You promised me your salvation. We may run into trials. We may run into areas where we struggle. But God says, everything's going to work out for those who love me. What work out means for each one of us is different. According to his plan. Whatever I need worked out may be different than what Zach or Jason or whoever. Whatever God has, des- has planned for us to work out may look different. His plan for each one of us is different. His plan for each one of us is unique according to the gifts, the personality, and the time and the timing that he has put in us. Sarah and I, this time, there's people that came before us, there's people that are going to go after us, and the plans and the purposes that he have that he has for them are unique to each one of you. God has a plan for all of us. It's the timing and the purpose that you put into it.
The last thing I love, and what Satan hates is this, is there's no condemnation. God doesn't hold it over our heads. I didn't go over all the lists. I don't have time to, but I'm going to finish with this. Therefore is no condemnation in Christ. Whatever we've done in our past is dead. It says our sins are far as from the east as from the west. God throws them away. So what I'm saying is that when we sin is brought back up, it's two things. It's our own guilt or it's the accuser. It's Satan bringing up, saying, hey, remember when you did this, when you said this, you said this to this person or did this wrong? But God says there's no condemnation in me. I don't remember your sin. I don't hold it against you. You ever had somebody like 20 years later, like, remember when you did this to me? I'm like, I was watching an old episode of The Office and one of the secretaries on there's like, I haven't talked to my sister in 20 years and I don't remember what we were fighting about. I'm like, wow. God doesn't do that. God doesn't, you know, humans, we hold on to things. We hold on to grudges, but God doesn't remember that stuff. He looks at us and says, your sin, I don't see you. I see the blood of Jesus covering you. The blood of Jesus covers us so we don't have to go to God and say, I'm an imperfect person. I don't have anything else. We go to God and say, I'm an imperfect person, but the blood of Jesus allows me to come and give access to you, to, to come before you, to pray, to ask you, and allow you to meet my needs and to secure me. I believe God has a plan for every one of us. He has a destiny for every one of us. But what we need to do is go to him in a, in a mindset of, I am his son, I am going to go to him, he is going to bless me, he's going to give me good things, and he has a purpose, and he's going to reveal his purpose for me when it's my time and when I'm ready to hear it. You guys ever talk to someone and they, I, my wife sees a lot of things in certain people, and there's times where I've talked to certain people myself and said, man, I believe this is what God's calling you to do. And they just look at me like they're scared. I see something in them. And my wife sees something in them. We'll say, man, God's got a really, God's anointed you really to do something like this. And they just look like, oh, no, and that scares them. Because their timing isn't there. The timing isn't there for them to accept that calling in their life. But God has a calling for every one of us, whether we're ready to accept what he has for us after that or not, is that we are sons and we are daughters. And we have full access to our Father. And he loves us, cares for us, and wants to provide for us.